This faith and finance podcast is underwritten in part by Praxis Mutual Funds. They are a leading faith-based family of mutual funds helping people integrate their finances with their values since 1994. With Praxis, your investments can make a difference for you and the world around you. Learn more at PraxisMutualFunds.com. When you buy something, it's an exchange. You expect to get something for your money. But what about when you give? Hi, I'm Rob West. Christians are called to be generous towards God's kingdom. There's no question about that. But should we expect something in return? I'll talk about that first today, and then it's on to your calls at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is Faith and Finance, biblical wisdom for your financial decisions. Okay, should we expect something in return for our generosity? The answer is a definite but qualified yes. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8 tells us, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Now, reaping bountifully does not mean that God must reward you monetarily for your generosity. You cannot make God a debtor. He already owns everything. But it does mean that God will bless you for your generosity. But that blessing can come in any form that God chooses. You have a problem with your heart attitude when you expect or demand material blessing from God for your generosity. This takes the form of sins like greed and covetousness, not to mention arrogance, but also a gaping lack of gratitude for what God has already given you. This is far more prevalent than you might think. Consider the so-called prosperity gospel with its doctrine of name it and claim it. Its teachers quote the Bible freely, but twist the meaning of certain verses to support their claims. An example of this would be James 4.2, which reads, You do not have because you do not ask God. The prosperity gospel would have you believe that all you have to do is to ask God for something, anything, and he'll give it to you. But it ignores the very next verse that says, You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. 1 John 5.14 tells us the right way to bring our supplications to God. It says, This is the confidence that we have before Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. When your heart aligns with God's, you can never ask for anything He doesn't already want to give you. Matthew 19.29 is also twisted around to mean that God must reward your giving with greater financial reward. It reads, And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But the hundredfold increase that this verse promises is not material wealth, but fellowship with thousands of other believers here and in eternity. Yes, there is a return, and far greater than anything we could ever give, but it's not money. 
In fact, the Bible and Jesus in particular promise something quite different, that there is a cost for being his disciple. In John 15, 20, Jesus warns, remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Jesus promises tribulation, not prosperity. Make no mistake, by any name, the prosperity gospel is an aberration of Orthodox Christian theology. It claims that God will reward you with material wealth according to your faith. So as your faith increases, so will your wealth. Of course, Scripture promises no such thing. The prosperity gospel is a modern heresy. It crept into a few local congregations and tent revivals after World War II, but eventually found its way to radio and television, leading untold numbers astray by the 1980s and giving the word televangelism a negative connotation. And while it started in the U.S., it's now found around the world. Not surprisingly, it's spread faster in areas with great poverty, such as Africa, South America, and anywhere people struggle to make a living. As with any false doctrine, we must be vigilant to keep the prosperity gospel out of our churches. Theologian John Piper has identified several common traits to watch out for. Here are two. The absence of doctrine related to suffering. Remember Jesus' warnings about the cost of discipleship. The absence of detailed exposition of Scripture. In other words, cherry-picking verses without giving their context. To sum up, you should expect something in return for your generosity. God's blessing that enables you to do good works that glorify Him, not material wealth for your own pleasure. This is Faith and Finance. Stick around. We are grateful for support from LightPoint Portfolios, which seeks out family and faith-friendly investments for 401k and 403b plans, integrating faith values and fiduciary duty. LightPoint Portfolios offers retirement plans for a variety of organizations such as businesses, nonprofits, and churches. And we're grateful for their sponsorship of the Faith and Finance Program. More information is available at lightpointportfolios.com. Every day, FaithFi is working to meet people right where they are. Through our national radio program, app, and website, we're helping people put their faith in God and not in money and possessions. And we're encouraging and equipping Christians to have a passionate pursuit for sacrificially living and giving the money entrusted to them. If you believe in and have benefited from FaithFi, would you consider becoming a monthly FaithFi patron? Learn more about the FaithFi patrons' membership at faithfi.com and click Give. We're back. I'm Rob West, and this is Faith and Finance. Thanks for listening today. Thanks for taking the time. As we head into our calls and questions, I want to take a moment to ask you if you've downloaded the FaithFi app. You can use it on your desktop or your mobile device. All right, let's head to the phones. By the way, if you have a question, just call 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. By the way, you don't have to call. Just send an email. AskRob at faithfi.com. That's askrob at faith, the letters fi.com. To St. Louis. Hi, Donna. Go right ahead. Hi, Rob. Um, I have some money that I inherited. And my husband and I, first of all, I'm 71. He's 74. 
and we're debt free and we have other assets. And I just don't know. We've been looking at this over the last, you know, few days, what we're going to do in this market. I don't really want to put it in the stock market. I don't really trust it. Annuities kind of feel the same way about that because of our economy. And so technically, I'm trying to figure out, gee, what's, uh, you know, a Roth IRA for us probably wouldn't be, you know, very good because of our age. And I'm trying to figure out, you know, are we left with CDs? I mean, what would you suggest? Yeah. So I appreciate that background, Donna. Um, when you say you don't want to go into the stock market, would you also include bonds in that or would you be open to a, a bond portfolio? Well, that's, I thought um, bonds are kind of like, I know they're supposed to be super secure. Aren't they kind of on the lower end of the spectrum as far as interest goes? Uh, yeah, they can be, but they're also, you know, we're entering a season right now where bonds are going to be particularly attractive uh, because the yields are up, because interest rates are higher. And once the Fed is done raising rates, which we're probably getting close to that point, although I imagine we'll see a few more rate hikes this year, then uh, that's going to cause the prices no longer to fall. So as rates rise, the prices of the bonds fall as the yields go up. But, you know, once we're done with this interest rate hike cycle, the bonds will, you know, no longer decrease in value. So they'll maintain their their par value. But then uh, you'll have these elevated yields, which are going to make for a really uh, great, you know, opportunity for an investor. Um, so as long as you stay on the higher quality end of high quality corporate bonds or government bonds, um, you know, I think it's relatively low risk and you can do a fairly attractive rate of return. So you could buy a bond fund, like a mutual fund, uh, or you could buy individual bonds or an exchange-traded fund, which would, is another way of buying kind of a basket of bonds. Uh, so that would be one option. Uh, the other is what you just described, and that is CDs are a lot more attractive than they've been in the past. And of course, inflation's up uh, right now, but, but the CD rates are up as well. Uh, how much money are we talking about, roughly? 1.1 million. Okay. So let's say you took a third, a third, a third, and you put those into CDs, you know, maybe a, a third at a year and a third at 18 months and a third at two years. And then, you know, a year from now, you roll that portion over. And then every six months after that, you, you know, could roll it forward and get the higher rates if there are any. And, you know, it, you would have some liquidity as you need it. Um, and you could earn five plus percent interest on that money, which, you know, would give you a, a decent, you know, rate of return between now and then. Now, would you recommend a bank CD or like on an investment side of the bank? You know, because if you go to an investment side of the bank, like a brokerage CD through a bank, then that's going to be played in the stock market, right? Well, a brokerage CD is still a CD. It just doesn't carry the FDIC insurance. Um, but you, you know, you still have very little risk. If you want the FDIC insurance, then you could spread this around so you could have, you know, multiple account, multiple banks or multiple account types or both. So for instance, you could put 250,000 in a CD in your name. And then with the same bank, you could put a 250,000 in another CD that's jointly held in the name of you and your husband. And that would also be insured. And then if you did that 
you know, again, at a second bank, you could in effect have this whole 1.1 million, you know, FDIC insured in bank products that are guaranteed by the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, but still earning these fairly attractive yields if you're looking for something that's really risk-free. Okay. Well, I just, we both don't really trust what's going on in the economy. Okay. And, you know, and yeah. so I don't know. I just wanted to call to get your thoughts. And yeah. um, we were actually talking about the CDs last night, and we didn't want to go with the brokerage side. So maybe, you know, the the bank side, you know, would be a better, you know, venue. Yeah, from what I hear in your voice, Don, I think that is the way you might want to go because you guys are looking for a decent yield, but your really priority is safety and having that FDIC insurance. I mean, we saw that play out with Silicon Valley Bank. I mean, this was a a bank that mismanaged their risk portfolio, but there was a run on the bank. The FDIC had to step in and everybody had access to their money on Monday morning. And, you know, that's the role of the FDIC. And so I think, you know, if you take advantage of these FDIC limits of, again, 250000 per institution per account type, it wouldn't be hard for you all to make sure that the entire 1.1 million have had FDIC insurance. And then you just have several CDs kind of all stacked together. And, uh, you know, you could get the yield that you want and know that the money is safe. All right. Okay. Okay. Well, that kind of helped me, um, you know, to hear you talk through it with me. And I appreciate that. Well, Thank I'm happy you so to much, do it. Rob. Yes, ma'am. And if I can help further along the way, don't hesitate to reach out. We appreciate you checking with us today. 800-525-7000 is the number to call. To Spring, uh, Springfield, Missouri. Hi, Cindy. Thanks for your call. Go right ahead. Yes. Um, my husband is considering retiring early. He is 63, and I am almost 62. He is wanting to leave his work and start drawing early retirement. Um, with the economic situation the way it is, we've been praying about it and debating, is this a good time or should he wait until um, he's old, you know, a year or two older? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, there, there's the financial and then the non-financial side of this. So the non-financial side is, you know, we always say you should be retiring to something and not from something. Um, but, you know, the idea is what are we retiring to? You know, God created us to be workers. Now, that doesn't mean we have to work for pay. You could, God could be redirecting you or you and your husband to something else. And that's great. But what is that productive activity in God's service? And how can you use the wisdom and experience you have to be productive in this season of life? What does that look like? Have you fully thought through that, not only individually, but as a married couple? And then the second piece of that is, okay, uh, we've thought through that. Now, what about the financial readiness? And that's going to come down to what is our retirement budget? Usually it's 70 to 80% of your pre-retirement income, but what is that number and how are we going to solve for that? Is that going to come from Social Security? Well, if we retire early, if we're at least 62, we can get Social Security, but we're locking it in permanently 32% lower what it could be. Is that going to come from part-time work? Is it going to come from retirement assets? And if so, do we have enough assets that maybe at a 4% withdrawal rate, we can cover the income that we need? So there's that financial piece where we need to run through that exercise exercise to see if there's enough in the way of assets. I want to get your take on all this, uh, but I've got to take a quick break. So Cindy, stay right there. We'll be right back. This is Faith and Finance. 
grateful for support from Eventide Investments on the Faith and Finance Program. Eventide's approach to values-based investing is grounded in the belief that humankind was created in the image of God with intrinsic dignity, value, and worth. Eventide calls this investing that makes the world rejoice. More information is available at eventideinvestments.com. That's eventideinvestments.com. Hey, Greg, I need some advice. Oh, what's up? I'm really struggling with finding ways to cut back. With costs going up, especially in healthcare, what do you guys do? Oh, uh, we use CHM, Christian Healthcare Ministries. It's a health cost sharing ministry that's been sharing members' eligible medical bills for over 40 years. Sure helped us stick to our budget. Hmm. And here's the website chministries.org. chministries.org. Welcome back to Faith and Finance. I'm your host, Rob West. Hey, just before the break, we were talking to Cindy about retirement. And Cindy, I was sharing with you, you know, there's the the non-financial side of preparing for retirement. What am I retiring to? And then there's the financial side. What is my retirement budget going to look like? And what income sources do I have, especially if I'm retiring early? And will those meet my need? Uh, Or should I delay my retirement to either build Social Security or continue to contribute to my retirement assets? Uh, Give me your thoughts, though, on what I was sharing. Okay. Um, we don't really have, haven't really thought about retiring too, other than spending more time together. Um, but also we have a, another thing in the fire is my parents own a business. I've been working for them for a long time. They're in their eighties, still running it, doing a good job, but you know, their health is in decline and we, me and my sister will be taking that over if anything happened. Um, So that's kind of where I'm at all the time. And yeah. my husband, you know, would like to come down and maybe help out. But yeah. <laughs> he's, you know, debating on whether just to wait a little longer. The job he's in is very physical and it's really breaking his body down. He's really wanting to get yeah. out before it gets, you know, really bad. So yeah. that's kind of the dilemma we're in. Yeah, and those are all realities, and so obviously it's not always simple. There's a lot of moving pieces there, and I love that you're going to take over that business with your sister, and uh, I get that. Um, So just what about the financial side of it? Have you all really worked through your budget to say, okay, let's say we're we're at retirement right now. Given the income sources we know we'll have, how are we going to be able to pay our bills based on our retirement budget? Have you looked at that, and, and do you feel like you have the resources that you'll need? Um, at this point, I believe we can. Um, you know, he would have to rely on the Social Security. And from what I understood, that the um, you can work up to like $24,000 per year um, on top of that before you're penalized. We don't want to get into that penalty phase for sure. But he could work, you know, with, at my family business and definitely get those hours in. And that would be plenty to cover, you know, any expenses and that's not even including my income. So, um, you know, we've got okay. a little bit of a buffer there. Yeah. But, okay. um, 
Yeah, so 2023, um, you know, if you're under full retirement age, the annual earnings limit is $21,240. Now, keep in mind, uh, you know, that money is reduced a dollar for every $2 over that, but that eventually will be made up to you once he reaches full retirement age. So that's not a permanent reduction. That will come back to you, whatever's withheld in the form of a higher check until it's fully repaid after full retirement age. The thing that is going to be permanent, though, is that permanent reduction of 8% a year that you take it prior to full retirement age. So he's going to lock in about a 32% reduction on Social Security if he were to take it at 62. And then separate from that, if he earns over the limit, it'll be reduced by a dollar for every $2 over the limit. But that eventually will be made up to him. So just wanted to make sure you were clear on that. But apart from that, I think this is just the exercise you need to go through. Am I ready to be, you know, to move away from my job. And I realize the physicality of it is a, is a factor, but what will I do with my time? Let's kind of, you all spend a good bit of time talking through that. Uh, I always remember the, the, the statement, uh, Judy blue, Ron blue's wife made when he retired the first time. And he ended up kind of, he's busier now than ever, but she said, Ron, I, I married you for better or for worse, but not for lunch. And it was just kind of her funny way of saying, don't be around too much. You know, I need my space. Um, but, uh, no, they, they have a wonderful marriage and she was, she's a very funny person. Um, but then there's the financial side and just spend some time really thinking through that. But it sounds like you guys have a great plan here, Cindy. And so I don't see any issue with that. Um, just as long as you've really counted the cost. Thanks for being on the program today. Uh, let's head to uh, hillside, Illinois. Hey, Michael, go right ahead, sir. Hey Rob, how are you? Uh, <laughs> doing great. Uh, great. Listen to you. I listen to you all the time. Listen, I well, have a, uh, a house that I, I own. I just, I refinanced when the rates were like really low and I got, uh, I refinanced at two and an eight. Okay. So I got a really wow. good rate. Yeah. Uh, I owe 128 K on it. Uh, and the wife and I are, we're getting up in the age and I'm wondering if I should, I could, if I add like a thousand dollars a month or $1,100 a month to my mortgage, I could pay it off in five years. Yeah. And, and I looked at it and I could save like 30,000 in interest. Yeah. Okay. Now I want to pay it off and then I want to buy something smaller. Should I just, because I, I'm worried about it. Will I be able to get a, cause we're both retired sure. and uh, I'm just wondering if I'll be able to get a, a, a mortgage or would it be better off? The question is, would I be better off paying it off and then look to downsize and buy something smaller? Yeah. Yeah, well, what are your plans? I mean, forget set the the financial side aside for a second. What are your plans, both timing as well as what you would like to buy as your next kind of home for this season of life? Uh, well, we're both getting up there. My wife has arthritis real bad. We live okay. in a, a Georgian home, so the stairs we want to we want to down we got want to get into a smaller home where there's no stairs for okay. my wife. And, and what would be the so you'd want a ranch? And what timing roughly do you think? Uh, probably five years. Okay. Or, or yeah. less. All right. Uh, and, and you have other assets that you can fall back on, even if you were to accelerate this mortgage with 1100 a month, that if you needed something I, to supplement. Yeah, I have, I have a, uh, I have a four, I have my retirement plan, which okay. I haven't retired for 10 years now. And I still, I still have uh 500 K in it. Okay. It's, and it's you don't stable. touch that currently. I'm not going to, I, I take uh 2000 a month draw 
and it's it's okay. staying right where it's at. Okay, great. That's that's good news. Yeah, so I like the idea. Of, I mean, even though this is low, I like the idea of you all being debt free. And if you can out of current cash flow start paying this down and get that paid off in the next five years, you're going to be debt free. And I think the ability to then to sell it and take that cash and buy something smaller, whether you use all of it or a portion of it, and then own that place debt free. I think that's great because that keeps your lifestyle as low as possible. It gets you to a place where you're debt free, but you're not pulling a bunch of money out of your 401k. You're doing it over the next five years and enjoying this low interest rate in the process. I think that's the ideal situation. So I just stay on this track, adding to the payoff, getting it paid off, and then you downsize when you guys are ready. Thanks for your call, Michael. And that's going to do it for us today. I really appreciate your taking time to listen to this program and to committing the principles we talk about each time to your financial life. This broadcast, the FaithFi app, and the other great resources we provide wouldn't be possible without the financial support we receive from listeners like you. If you're not yet one of our financial partners but would like to be, would you visit our website, faithfi.com. That's faithfi.com. And then click the Give button to sign up. We'd certainly be grateful. In the meantime, please set an alarm on your phone and make plans to join us again next time. We'll be here for another edition of Faith and Finance. Faith and Finance is provided by FaithFi and listeners like you.